Not that I need to introduce uh, Brother Andy to us because he's been here a couple times before, but I um, wanted to come up and say how thankful we are to have you, Brother, coming in um, from Catalyst Missions. Um, he brought with him a, a mission report for 2019-2020. There's uh, some in the back, and actually, if you turn to the, um, to the Ivory Coast page, uh, what you'll find is a picture of your pastor uh, and Brock. And so I, I say that because I don't recall giving you permission uh, to use this, and so You'll be hearing from uh, Eddie Farah very soon. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Andy's a good friend. We had such a great time in the Ivory Coast, and he's going to share a little bit about that and share um, about uh, what's going on with Catalyst Missions and share the Word of God for uh, with us. And so one more thing before he comes up. I wanted to make an announcement. I just had a uh, word about this. We'll announce this next Sunday morning. But our goal was 2500 for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and I heard it was just a little bit over 27. So uh, praise God for that. And this is a church that, that loves missions and loves sharing the gospel to the nation. It's got a great history of missions. And so, Brother Andy, uh, share what God's doing with you and, and Catalyst Missions with us tonight. Well, good evening. It is, uh, it is a joy to, to be back with you. Uh, your clock is not right. It says 749. This one? Really? I'm already messed up because I'm from central time zone and now I'm in eastern time zone. And so I'm, yesterday uh, I was in Tallahassee or south of Tallahassee, Taylor County. Another friend of mine pastors a church there and uh, they are a partnering church with Catalyst. And so um, I wanted to make sort of a, a swing through Florida, I guess, to, uh, to visit. And the Lord providentially worked out the week uh, that worked the best for both Cody and David was this weekend. And uh, so it was, uh, I was glad to be with him, but we ate dinner last night at 4.15, which was 3.15 my time. <laughs> and uh, so by like seven o'clock my time, which would have been normal eating time, uh, I was hungry again. So I had, I had to eat second dinner. <laughs> and um, so it was, uh, it's been fun to be back in, in Eastern time, but to be with you is a, is a joy, as it has been. Uh, I just want to share a little bit of an, an update with you. Uh, as a partnering church, it's important for us to, to be able to, to communicate with you about what's going on, and, um, sort of what God's doing, and, and what we're anticipating moving forward uh, through the organization. Uh, this, this year, 2019, um, has been our, uh, our, um, the year that we've seen the most growth in all areas. Uh, whether that's partners and resources, uh, committed people to be praying for us, uh, trainings that have taken place, um, expansion into new locations. We are now engaged in, in either um, physically as an organization or through our online uh, training and reproducing in nine different countries. Um, when we started in 2015, it was three. Um, and so God's been faithful to continue to provide uh, that which we have needed. Um, we're, we, and as, as leadership, we're trying to be the, most, um, the best stewards with the resources that, that God's providing us. And so we're using it and finding ways to say, how can we multiply without, um, without having to add large numbers of resources? I was talking to Justin before, before the service, and one of the ways that we're thinking through this is, is how we utilize our regional coordinators. Those are those guys that we have been equipping, mentoring, training 
um, some of them for several years. Uh, one of the ones I'll share with you is, is James. Cody and Brock met James. James is the regional coordinator for us in Ivory Coast. But he has connections to some other places in West Africa. And most of West Africa is Francophone speaking. Uh, speaking. They're French-speaking countries. And so James can communicate with them a whole lot easier than I could, even with a bilingual person. And so he was recently in a, at a conference in Accra, Ghana, and he, he uh, wrote me a message and said, I met a couple of pastors. One of them is in uh, Ouagadougou, that's the capital of Burkina Faso, and one is in Bamako, Mali. And he said, I, they're interested in Catalyst, and I'd love to see how we could multiply with them. And generally that would look like I would contact and we would begin to maybe build a relationship um, with me as, a, as the director of international ministries and, and cultivate that. And I just began to think, uh, what's the best strategy? What's the best way to use the, the opportunity to multiply? And it just kind of hit me. James is there. James is a French-speaking pastor. James has been with us for three years. James is doing something like this in a physical way. Why could James not do what I do with pastors in West Africa? Why could he not connect with him online once a week and train them just like I have trained him? And it was like a light bulb went off. And I said, we can be in Burkina Faso for what might be about $20 a month to cover the internet costs for that pastor in Ouagadougou. And the same in Mali. So I went to Doug, we met, and I said, hey, I had this idea of letting James become me in West Africa. And I no longer would be responsible for having to, to, to find the time, which is very precious these days, um, or to try to cultivate new relationships and let James, who is already there, an indigenous pastor in a West African context, do what we've trained him to do. And so I met with James and, and going into this next year, one of the ways that we're going to be multiplying is letting James begin to have some relationships like this. So the strategy, the vision is ever sort of growing um, and, and I say evolving in a, in a good way, but more, uh, modifying so that way we can become the best stewards of the resources that we have. And I told James, I said, I, I may never, we may never as an organization from the U.S. come to Burkina Faso. But I don't have to. In fact, I don't even need to. If it's going to be truly indigenous work, if James is going to be the guy who's going to be sort of the spearhead of that, then he's the one responsible for making sure the vision is carried out in Burkina Faso, making sure the vision is carried out in Mali. And then I'm responsible for helping James, steering him as he accomplishes that. So we're excited about some of those kinds of things. Also going into 2020, um, we'll be physically in a new country. We're going to be in Nepal starting January. Um, the, the young man that is in Nepal, his name is BJ, B-I-J-A-Y. He and I have been meeting since December of 2018. Training, equipping, he's been reproducing um, with a small group of, uh, of, of leaders at a, in a local church close to his um, his hometown in far eastern Nepal. And um, as we had been praying about partners for South Asia, God provided an individual who, through his foundation, wanted to support that particular project. 
which freed me up to then be able to go to Nepal and spend time with BJ and begin to prayerfully consider what our involvement in that country would be. So last uh, couple months ago, about three months ago, I was in Nepal and meeting with a group of pastors and, and sharing with them the vision of Catalyst and what the responsibility would be and what our commitment would be. And so um, we have a group of about 15 that are going to be um, beginning the training in January, uh, January 8th through the 16th. And so that will begin our journey in South Asia uh, through our, our connection in, in Nepal. We're also um, in the process, I've been training with a guy in central India, uh, Simon is his name, and Simon and I have been training for a while, and he's been reproducing. He has uh, a handful of, of church planters that he's been equipping and, and working with. It's sort of a, a very unique uh, situation that we already have, a group that would be designed to fit sort of right into what we want to, to do in equipping church planters. But uh, as Simon and I have been meeting and, and, and praying and, and training and he's been uh, equipping, he's familiar with the, with the reality that um, God has to provide the partners that we are, would need in order to accomplish physical work in India. And, and he knows that maybe in, in, in middle 2020, it's part of my goal that the first half of this next year, I'll be able to maybe find some church partners or some individuals who want to, to, to adopt um, the project in India. But until then, work continues. There's no reason why it can't continue uh, through Simon and, and through that reproduction um, as, he is, as he is passing that on. Uh, and so we're excited. Uh, we moved into Colombia this past year. Doug uh, uh, leads all of our work in Central and South America since he is uh, uh, fluent in Spanish. Um, and so we have um, really neat opportunities, physical opportunities for us to go and be in new places in 2020, um, reproducing in a, in a unique way into parts of West Africa and even in India as we see this uh, without really a physical presence from us. Um, and so it's been, it's been fun to see how God through 2019 has provided given vision, given strategy, given ideas, um, and partners to see that uh, be accomplished. And so I, I just want to say thank you to you as a church for, for partnering with us. Um, we want to be faithful to you, uh, our partners, to be able to come and be with you um, and be physically in front of you um, as often as we can so you can, you can hear from us and, and, and know what's going on and be accessible to, uh, to you. And so... Uh, we're also excited about the continuation of that partnership and seeing uh, whether that's Cody or uh, Justin or others who can come and go with us, um, whether that's back to the Ivory Coast uh, as we will begin a new training site in uh, a new location for us in 2020. We'll be moving to Abidjan, which is the capital city, or maybe even somebody else as we uh, have opportunities to engage in, in, in other avenues of ministry um, other, other ways that you can be involved and get plugged in as you go with us. And so we're excited about seeing that continue into this next year uh, and as you uh, continue to, to partner with us. So we're, we're, um, we're thankful uh, and excited. And I would be glad to maybe correct any misinformation that Cody or Brock shared about themselves or the trip 
uh, if we need to. Um, I'm in town till Tuesday, so uh, I can stay and hang around for as long as I need to. Um, to, to clarify anything that might have been misrepresented, um, as, as I'm sure he has, he has done. Uh, but uh, uh, so let me just open God's word for us tonight and just share a little bit um, with you. Uh, we'll be out of uh, a couple of passages, Matthew 28 and Acts 1.8. Um, these are two very familiar passages, probably ones that we could quote without even having to open up and to look at them. But I believe that we are seeing um, a transition across um, across the the evangelical spectrum of what it looks like to 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 do missions, to be disciple makers. Um, there's a there's a uh, there's there's been a, a strategy that that has come. And sort of run its course, and I think it was one that wasn't necessarily ill-intended, but one that did not, um, that has left some lasting repercussions. And that was the reality that in missions and in, uh, in, in, in church life as a whole, there was this great divide that happened in what we would call evangelism or gospel sharing to the nations, to the neighbors, seeking conversion or converts that was separated from what we would now call or what was even then called discipleship. And, and unfortunately, there was this great chasm in many ways that existed between these two realities. And that's a misrepresentation, I think, of what Jesus has given to his disciples as he was as we saw that passed down from generation to generation, as if it's the same that's been given to us. And now what we are seeing in, in not just the, the Western church culture, but across what we would consider the, the Christian culture globally, is this emphasis or this idea of evangelism being centered around seeking converts to come and we would say to be converted but then negating the responsibility of, 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 of growing them to be true learners, followers of Christ. And so pastors and, and ministry leaders around the world are, are ill-equipped, they're untrained, not just in, not just in good doctrine and good teaching, good Bible, but, but they also have this misunderstanding that disciple making is not something void of evangelism. And I think what we find Jesus declaring in Matthew 28 as he is giving his apostles his final words that Matthew records for us when he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I've commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then Luke records for us in uh, his second, uh, second part of his letter to Theophilus, where he says that um, you shall be my witnesses, 
both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. There's, uh, so as he's talking to them about this idea of as they are, <clears throat> excuse me, are going, in, in Acts, he's recorded for us as saying that this is not something that you are to parse out and say, well, here's, here's this portion, and then here's this portion, and here's this portion, and here's this portion. Now, just hear me out. I, I know that we can't consider your community as your uttermost parts of the earth, but do we think about what we do in our community and how it impacts or can impact our understanding of what we are doing in the uttermost? Is, is what we're doing in, in our, in our uh, state or our region or our North American idea, does it have relationship or connection to what we're doing in our community? I don't believe it was ever meant to be viewed as these segmented sections of our culture or our life where we say, okay, well, this is, this is only our, 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 our local and this is only our Judea, Samaria, and this is our uttermost, but it all needs to be like intertwined. Much like what we find Jesus saying in Matthew 28, where he's talking about making disciples and his apostles, once they have been given this responsibility, don't then turn around to Jesus and say, okay, well then teach us how to do this. Because they would have very clearly understood that what Jesus had demonstrated to them by the way he had lived with them, that that was what disciple making was. Which included declaring the gospel and teaching them to be continual learner followers of him right so in Jesus's life we don't see this dichotomous relationship between evangelism or gospel sharing and the idea of discipleship or disciple making but for Jesus to his apostles and as they would have understood it it was two sides to the same coin they worked together they were in tandem and so with the organization, what our desire is, is that as we are training up our pastors and our ministry leaders, we want them to see and catch this idea that, that, that as you are going into new fields, as you're going into new places, as you're going out to be church planters, seeding a new work or beginning a new work, we're not sending you out simply to, to draw converts and to grow a, 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 a church to add numbers, because for so long, that's been the mentality. The missional mentality has been to, to try to multiply numbers and get people and, and, and get bigger and, and more. And that has always, unfortunately, been, I think, in the, the permeated the culture of the church and not just the West, but across the world, because the Western mind of missions is what was carried to many of these places. So I go to Africa and I'm in uh, parts of Nigeria or even in, in Cote d'Ivoire or, uh, or I'm in Indonesia and I go and, and I maybe participate in some time of, uh, of a worship service or uh, the opportunity to, to preach or something like that. And so oftentimes their time of worship looks no different than what we experience here. And my heart just breaks because it's, it's like a fish out of water. 
for, for, for the West African culture to need drums and, and the things that are typical for us. And they sing English hymns even when English is not their primary language. And I noticed this more than I have any other time. I was in Nigeria about a month and a half ago. Not even that long, probably a month ago. And we were participating. We got there earlier than we had, uh, we got there earlier than we normally do. And so we were there on a Sunday for, for worship. And they sang some songs that were Americanized or English hymns. And they sang in, you know, in a way that was, was worshipful. But then they sang a song that was traditional to their culture. They played their own native drums. They sang in their native tongue. And I could visibly see on their face a change in what they were experiencing in that aspect of worship. So we're training up pastors and guys say, go into these new fields. Don't look for converts. Don't just try to get people to come and make your, 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 the, the number of people bigger so the, so, the, so the space can be bigger. And all the things that, unfortunately, we even in the West think of as, as being the, the, the benchmarks of success. And all of that has come... Because for so long, there's been this dichotomous understanding that evangelism and gospel sharing is one thing to get the people to come, right? To, to build the numbers, to, to grow it. And then, in some way, at some point, somehow, sometime, maybe programmatically or whatever, we do discipleship. And we've missed seeing that it's they're, they're so intertwined in what Jesus is telling them here as he is saying the imperative of making disciples comes with both and. The idea of baptizing there is not just Jesus giving them the idea, uh, will put them in the water and, and, and declare them to be in Christ. But it meant Identity. An identity that would not come until a person's life had truly been repented of sin and trusted Christ. That until that had truly happened, until that was evidenced in their life, there was no identification in true baptism. Now they, they, and so Jesus is telling his apostles that in, in order to make a disciple, there is an element of proclamation of the gospel to an unbelieving person, okay? So disciple-making starts when a believer is proclaiming to an unbeliever the truths of the gospel. And he says, as you are going, as you're moving about your day, your week, your month, your life. who are you intersecting with on a regular basis? Who is in your family unit, your oikos, that you need to be and have relationship with already? So we teach our pastors, when you go into these new fields, don't, don't try to create these artificial 
relationships and find somebody find a house or a man of peace and plug yourself in with that individual and be a gospel witness to him or to them that family unit don't worry about trying to blitz everybody all at once dive deeply into that one family unit declaring faithfully the gospel and so we say go back and teach them who is Christ from the old testament Teach them about the New Testament. So our strategy with our material is to, is to give them the idea of what that looks like with church planting and disciple making. Then give them good, strong biblical literacy, a good theological foundation with biblical theology. And then as we went and did hermeneutics, now study the scripture for the purpose of proclamation. And so as you are going, and we're, as you go into your new field, As you're in your family unit, the expectation is you're having gospel conversations. You're engaging with people who don't know Christ for the purpose of teaching them about Christ. But he says, and, or he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is, once that person comes to a right, full understanding of Christ... Now, this is, again, I think just a great misunderstanding that has happened globally in missions is that we're not as concerned about unbelievers truly knowing Christ for the purpose of repentance and faith, but really more just worried about if they would make some sort of profession with their mouth that they want to be a Christ follower. And, we're no, and, and there's not much depth to their truly knowing what does it mean to be a totally committed Christ learner, follower, or a disciple. We've not faithfully declared to them before what it means to take up your cross daily and to be crucified with Christ. And in many ways, it's what we've called or uh, what I've you know, heard called before, it's the bait and switch. I throw some bait out there. You might want to get that fixed right there. Just, just let you know. That was not me. I promise that is, that is the wood. Um, uh, I did that to myself this morning too, and I forgot what I was saying. It was important. Um, bait and switch. The idea that I'm going to cast the bait out there and I'm going to reel them in, right? So my bait's enticing. Man, don't you want to follow Jesus? Don't you want to go to heaven? You don't want to go to hell? You want your sin to be forgiven? Uh, I declare to them the, what I consider to be the narrow message of the gospel, which is simply Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And it's like giving them a book and telling them that you only need to read the last five chapters. And then we reel them in because, man, who doesn't want to go to heaven? Who really wants to go to hell? Who doesn't want their sin forgiven? And when you put it in those kinds of terms to a culture that is based upon fear, uh uh-oh, I don't want to go to hell. Not when you describe it like that. So now I'm afraid. Or you go to a shame-based culture, which you've been to for many years, 
And they don't want to shame you because you've brought a message or you've come to their family or you've given to them something and they don't want you to be embarrassed and they don't want to embarrass themselves. So they, 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 they say yes to whatever it is you've asked them to do. And so we've reeled them in, right? And we've, we've created a, a convert situation. And then, right, so because we've dichotomized evangelism and gospel sharing, with discipleship, now that we've reeled them in, now we switch because we say, oh man, you've, man, you've got to be committed. You've got to be baptized. You've got to, man, you've got to be, you know, it's, it's, it's dying to yourself every day. And all these things, it's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. You weren't faithful to declare that on the front end. Now that you're telling me this, I'm not sure this is what I'm really wanting. Because this might mean from a Muslim, I'm going to be kicked out of my family. I'm going to lose my inheritance. My village is going to disown me. I very seriously could lose my life. And so what we're saying when Jesus is talking about them being baptized is that there's been a faithful full, that's, or broad, are the terms I use, broad and narrow, broad understanding of the gospel that says to this individual or these individuals, let's go back and start from the beginning. That book that I told you, if I gave it to you and told you to start in chapter 15 of 20, let's go back to chapter one and let's read the whole thing. And let's take time to really and rightly and fully understand. Because the reality is Jesus was faithful to proclaim the gospel about himself from the law and the prophets, according to Luke 24. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that he declared unto them the message of Jesus' death and resurrection in accordance with the scriptures. And, and you and I were smart individuals. We know that what Paul meant when he said the scriptures, he has to have been talking about the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures. So let's go back and truly help someone to fully understand Christ as he would have been declared from Genesis onward. So when we come to him in his death, burial, and resurrection, there's a great and a full and complete understanding of the gravity of that. And so when I do repent and put my faith in Christ, it comes with a complete understanding of what that means. And I'm not baiting and switching them. And so when Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, so no, the understanding is you've taught them faithfully, Peter, James, John. Andy, Cody, Justin, you've taught them faithfully the full, complete understanding of the gospel. So when they are baptized into fellowship, there's not the wondering, huh, I wonder if they really meant that. I wonder if they're serious about that. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And then he goes on, and this is where that second side of the coin, that evangelistic, gospel-sharing, faithful to those individuals that then says, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So it's not even joined with a conjunction. It just rolls right into the, the next expectation of that faithfully, fully understanding believer in Christ is that they are going to be continued to be taught to observe, not just taught the commands, right? Not just teaching them something because that's just head knowledge. We're not looking for head knowledge. We're looking for lifelong learner followers. We're looking for people who will obey and observe the commands of Christ. And that is a lifelong process. Because I dare say one of us has completed that process. And Paul says that he was continuing in that process as he was walking down and, and looking towards his death. And so we have for us the responsibility of being faithful gospel witnesses as we are going to our family unit to those in our in our uh, and those in our path and, and I'm not saying you can't have those sort of one-off conversations with somebody but I, I think what Jesus was expecting his apostles was who you know regularly who you are around regularly you need to be having gospel conversations with them that's the most natural organic. Those are another two buzzwords we try to use. Sustainable reproducible ministry and natural organic relationships. Whoever it is naturally and organic for you to be in contact with regularly, have gospel conversations. And if you see those unbelievers come to a full understanding and desire to follow Christ, Watch them come into baptism, into fellowship with the body. And then helping them to continue to grow and observing and obeying the commands of Christ. And part of that responsibility is reproduction. That they will reproduce what you are showing and modeled for them. And if, if it's done in the way that, that we see Jesus doing it with his apostles and we see Paul doing it with Titus and Timothy and others, then once you come to that place of, 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 of realizing to that, that disciple you have and you say, this is now, we need to be reproducing this. You need to be reproducing this. There will be really, a des should be, and, and, and prayerfully, a desire for them to do that. And so our pastors, our guys out of the country that we see, that we're equipping, we're seeing them desire to reproduce what they're learning. Part of what you find in the, uh, the ministry report, uh, the missions report, is a, a story, um, I think we call them uh, something story. But it's, it's with uh, one of our pastors who's got a testimony of him reproducing what he's been learning. And, and we, I wish we could fill our, I mean, we, we could... We could fill a whole book full of all the testimonies and stories that we have, but we've tried to pick one just to put into, into, the, into the thing, but of, of, of watching them understand. So here's the trend I see us moving. I told you at the beginning that I think this trend, I think the trend is moving back to a more biblical understanding of disciple making. 
But there's a lot of repairing to be done. Lots of repairing. There's lots of repairing to the church in the West. To rightly understand, disciple making involves evangelistic, gospel-centered conversations coupled with a continued growing and understanding learner, follower of Christ. And what we're seeing is that there's beginning to be a, a sort of a movement in the, the missional communities across the different, even different denominations of understanding, man, we've, we've sort of, we've, we shot in a bad trajectory. And instead of doubling down, I feel like there's, there's a great movement moving back towards a more Christ-centered understanding of what it means as he tells his apostles in Matthew 20 to make disciples of the nations. So you guys, uh, through us and through your partnership, are part of that trend, I think, in moving back into that direction. It's the conviction of Doug and I that that is who we will be. As we, are, as we are engaging in the sustainable reproducible ministry of, of training up pastors and leaders who will, reprodu- who will do what, we've just, what I've just described for you wherever they are as they go into new places and start new work among people that are unreached. And so I'm excited because of seeing that trend moving in that direction. I'm excited because there are churches like you guys who want to partner in seeing that accomplished. So I, I would pray that, uh, that you would also not see this as, well, that's our uttermost vision and, and this is our local vision. But you would see what you are doing in Ivory Coast and in West Africa impacts and needs to impact how you think about what you're doing locally. And what you're doing in the community and, and even within the, the U.S. or whatever your total missions looks like. Don't, don't separate your compartmentalize. But use it all as I think it's being communicated in Acts. Thinking about it all, all impacting itself or each other. And what you're doing to be making disciples among the nations. So I am thankful for you all um, and grateful for the work that you are doing uh, and, and your partnership with us. And um, let's pray that God would continue to, uh, to grow that relationship with you guys. Um, and so let me, let me pray for us and then I'll turn it over to, uh, to Cody.